Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Welcome to the Mystic Order podcast. We are the Mystic Order of East Alabama fiction writers, six women of an age seeking the sublime in the ordinary. I am Katie, the Oracle Mystic, or the Mystic Oracle. And I'm Margie, the Illuminator Mystic. And I'm Joanne, the Mystic Defender. I'm Marion, the Dog Whisperer Mystic. I'm the Queen. And I'm Mary, the Nebulous Mystic. We have a guest. We do have a guest. We have a very special guest, June Wilcox, who is the owner of Auburn's newest, most coolest place ever. Mm-hmm. It's, we were talking as this started, as we were warming up for this, about how Auburn's such a great place and all it needed was a bookstore. And now we have one, thanks to June, who Yay. is co-owner, I guess, of the yes. Auburn Oil Company Booksellers in downtown Auburn. Welcome, June. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with y'all. We're here to grill you about bookstores, not really. <laughs> this, this should be a fun. conversation <laughs> about bookstores, and we're really looking forward to finding out um, more about it. But maybe we could start with telling us how you got to be a bookseller. Uh, completely by accident. Um, I guess y'all are all readers, right? I mean, yeah. so <laughs> uh, I have a lifelong passion for reading, but none of it involved uh, selling books. So this has been a real learning experience for me. I... Um, Happened to have some friends who had a good idea in Greenville, and we started a bookstore up there five years ago. And I have a love of Auburn. My husband is from here. We spent a lot of time in this community, and we really felt like this would be a wonderful place to have a bookstore. And so um, the the one up in Greenville was a great success and is still a big success. And so we decided to give it a try here, and it's been amazing. But why the name? Why Auburn Oil Company Booksellers? Right. My father-in-law back in the day had uh, gas stations here in Auburn. Um, and the name of his company was Auburn Oil Company. And he had, they were the bookstores were brand, I mean, not the bookstores, the gas stations were branded Phillips 66, but his company was Auburn Oil Company. And we really felt like that was, first of all, the spirit of Murphy Armour, my father-in-law, was just a wonderful, generous, community-minded man. But also, gas stations were one of the original storytelling places in the South, right? I mean, it's where people gathered. It's where people, you know, communed and told stories and got to know each other. And we really wanted that to be part of the spirit that we brought to this community. And so it's one of those, you know, guiding uh, lights for us and and who we are and who we were. You started saying... You kept saying Greenville and up there, but Greenville, Alabama is down there. <laughs> right. Greenville? Sorry, Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's that's close to home. I was raised in Spartanburg. You were? Yes. Oh, wow. There's a <laughs> great bookstore there, too, if you yes. know Hub City Books yeah. up in Spartanburg. So I, I, my, my world is as big as marble, and I just always am running into people that lived where I lived. or We passed in, yeah. in the evening one night, I'm sure. Really cool. So. I just want to mention very quickly that if, if our listeners hear great noises in the background like latte machines going <laughs> on and stuff we are actually in auburn oil booksellers doing uh, auburn oil company booksellers doing this podcast so we've got ambient sound all around us mm-hmm. so 
listen in and you can hear what it sounds like to be in a, in a bookstore. And this is a remarkable bookstore. So if I lose what I'm saying, it's because I am just overwhelmed by all the wonderful books. <laughs> or, or you're just being Joanne. I am being <laughs> Joanne. ADD child. And oh, look, another pretty. <laughs> Sparkle shiny. Did any of you have like growing up like a bookstore, the, you know, the bookstores that you remember as children? Were there ones that made a really a good impact on your lives? The bookstore in Auburn was Burton's Bookstore. Okay. It was around the corner from here. And I went there often because I collected stamps, and that was one of the things they sold. I don't remember reading a book till college, and then mm-hmm. I, I started reading books. We haven't thought about doing stamps before. Eufaula <laughs> had Schaub's bookstore that I absolutely loved. It was a bookstore magazine rack, and it sold 16 magazine when I was a teenager. Wow. And I had to be there. I didn't live in Eufaula. I lived 15 miles from Eufaula, but I would go to Schaub's, and he also sold wedding gifts. So you could buy pretty things to give somebody for a wedding Uh gift. In a magazine. In a magazine. (laughs) And when um, he bought an old house in Eufaula, and when he was renovating it, he found a lot of antique small frames with authors' prints, lithographs of authors in them, and he saved them all for me. I was about 14 at the time, and they still hang in my house. Wow, that's really he cool. Thought so, he thought he just thought it was nice that somebody my age loved books so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that's my really first, special. That was my first bookstore. Mm-hmm. Was well, Shobs. I'm f- I'm from Atlanta, and the bookstore that I remember most was Oxford Books in Atlanta. Okay, and they just had a fantastic art book collection, and uh, you could they had coffee there, and you could go there anytime, hear authors, and mm-hmm. it was a, a huge children's book section too. Mm-hmm. When my children were young, it was a great place to go. Oh, right, spend time. Mm-hmm. Well, I really thought about this last night because I was raised surrounded by books, uh, tripping over books. But not from bookstores. I don't have any memories of hanging out in bookstores when I was little. We hung out in Tumor's Corner and read the magazines on the rack. Mm -hmm. Now, I did just about live at the library. My parents would drop me off and leave me at the library. (laughs) I can... I can remember every smell, every sound, every turning of the page, sitting on the floor of the library reading those children's books. I had a great memory of... um, of being able to buy books when we would get the little sheets that would come home from school, Scholastic or Tab or whatever. And my parents, who never let me get extra stuff ever, they would let me get as many books as I wanted. And they gave me their big orange adding machine that plugged in and said, just, okay, order the books that you want. And they would write a check. So I would get, you know, armloads of books from those little book clubs at school. Sure. But, you know, I don't remember being in the actual bookstores when I was little. I had the same experience because I guess there were so many of us. But every place we lived, I would live in the library. And even at school, I worked in the library. I mean, I can remember being in a library at 10. People always exposed themselves in libraries, in my (laughs) experience. So my mother took me to the bookstore and parked in front and watched through the window. You mean they exposed their good sense to go to the library? No. They they got behind some racks. I think that happened at the Auburn University University Library as well. Yes, it did. I'm a magnet for it. Well, I don't want to go to a higher ground here. However, <laughs> what I was going to say before Marion took us, uh, you know, down that rabbit hole, if you will, is I was brought up in a house with a library. 
because my grandfather was uh, the first librarian for API. Oh. And not everybody thinks it's, it's Mary, whatever her name is, Martin. But no, Mary Martin worked for my grandfather. And then when he went back to the English department, she took over as librarian. But we literally had an entire library in our house. And it fell to me to dust the entire library in my house. <laughs> and honestly, I don't remember reading a single book from that library. I was going to lie. I have read books from that library because um, your mom used to come and visit at the courthouse, and she would bring me some of those books. I well, think I, I want them back. I returned them to you, Miss <laughs> Gail. But yeah, it was they were some wonderful books. And like I said, I've always we have always had lots of books in the house. Um, my parents kept all of their college reading, and so and one to get away from the summer, I would go to the library and just start at one end of a, a shelf and work my way through it. It was just Well, as wonderful. I look around this bookstore, my very favorite shelves, and I know, I know space is important in a bookstore because you gotta make money. It is very important. Yeah. yeah. But as I look around, my favorite part is the staff picks. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell me about who picks them, how did you pick them, not the books, the staff to pick the books, mm -hmm. and about that section. Okay. Um, the Who picks them is actually the staff. <laughs> those, those are, like, legitimately the books that they love. Um, we had the luxury of so many people who wanted to work in a bookstore, which is a really cool thing. There's just a lot of people who get what an independent bookstore can mean to a community. And we had so many people, we had literally over 100 people before we opened our doors, send us applications. So nice. we had the most amazing group to choose from. And the, I mean, the people that work here are phenomenal. I am inspired by every single one of them. And we looked to people who really appreciated different genres. So, you know, so that we had a good mix of people represented and who could you know, really represent what was in the community. And so what you see on those shelves, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of everything, <laughs> is in the staff pick section. So yeah, a lot of people find somebody that they really identify with and will read through their shelf, right? So we try to turn it over pretty frequently so that um, people will find something new every time they're there. You know, that's a joy that I have found because you do get your own style, I guess, or your own genre that you enjoy reading. As my children have gotten older, they have gone off into science and science fiction and fantasy and have offered books for mama to read and I just have loved doing that as well just going off in something totally different that I would never have picked up on my own. <laughs> what do you lean to on like on your own? Oh you know probably let me oh gosh everything. Comic books. Comic <laughs> books yeah comic <laughs> books. Um. <laughs> Pornography. Pornography. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Not usually. Well, maybe. Um. <laughs> well, you write pornography, Miss Joanne. No, no. That, that was your fault, Gail, because you said to write something dirty. Mary went to... Um, roaches. <laughs> roaches. I went another direction. Bursting it's breaches. <laughs> the preacher, no less. It's all a matter. He was a bishop. It's all a matter... <laughs> Of where your imagination takes you. That's what's so wonderful about a book. <laughs> I know. Poor Jun I've just met these women, and oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Love so it. what about you, Jean? What, have you got what a certain genre that you genre. adore or that, you, that first brought you into books? Oh, I think we all get addicted to books at different, like, whatever appeals to us at that stage of life, right? I mean, uh, over time... 
I mean, I fell in love with children's books and I still love children's books. I kind of skipped the middle grade genre that I don't have uh, enough experience with. But today, I'm literary fiction is kind of predictable, really. That, and I also do enjoy crime. I like a good thriller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd encourage you to give that middle middle school, middle yeah, age. Yeah, do you have experience with yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. What I do you love in that? middle school, and so I read everything they read. And I love. What are some of your favorites? Well, if you are wanting to delve in, start with the Newberry Award winners. Yeah. I was in a classroom the other day, and I found myself lingering, and I was just walking out the door, and I heard a young man say, have any of y'all ever read The K? But I just came running back in the classroom, and we had to talk for about 10 minutes about the K, and then we talked about the House of Dysdreer, and just, mm. I mean, start with the Newberry books. Yeah. And they There's are. some and great stuff so there. Good. I just haven't and read enough of have it. Have you read Bud Not Buddy? Yes. Oh, my I gosh. I have read that. That's beautiful. I read it, mm-hmm. like, every year. Yeah. And recently, I've decided that I would go back and try to reread some of my very, very favorite books. So I've gone back to read the uh, Marguerite Henry books, Misty of Chincoteague and Stormy and Bridie Mm. of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) And I really look forward to the Walter Farley books, the Black Stallion series. Oh, I I did um, love those. Was that a, this Mm. has been several years ago, but I was at a writer's conference and a couple of ladies that I know were also there. And I went to all the young adult author talks mm-hmm. and their writing abilities and their talks about yeah. writing were wonderful and they are hitting some deep topics oh yeah i mean they're really wrestling with them some things that are so important and i think the crossover between the young adult and the adult market is um really relevant right now exactly. yeah yes. and we have some great local YA writers. You feel it like Rachel Hawkins and Ash Parsons and yep, there's some great talent in this community. My favorite young adult book is called Codename Verity. Anybody read it? Mm-hmm. Well, no. I want you to. Okay. It's marvelous. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was looking at the staff picks, well, I came yesterday and, and cased the place. Mm-hmm. I hardly come uptown. I hardly shop because I work. I work where I sell things myself. So mm-hmm don't do a lot of shopping but I've been meaning to come up here and I thought perfect so I came in case the place and I just love the space it makes me want to buy every book on the shelf when I was looking at staff picks and thinking about what we were going to talk about today I thought well now if I was on the staff what would I pick and I want y'all to think about what book would you put up there with your name as a pick and I picked out 10 I know you would pick you would pick Mink River But um, I'm going to tell you my ten while y'all think. Burl Markham's West with the Night. Louise Erdrich's The Master Butcher's Singing Club. The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, one of mm-hmm. my favorite all-time books. The Whistling Season by Dog. Uh, the Poisonwood Bible, amazing book. The Yiddish Policeman's Union by Michael Chabon. And then one of my most favorite hilarious books is called Things My Girlfriend and I Have Argued About. Bird by Bird, I bet that's y'all's favorite too, and The Cat's Table, and last, The Rules of Civility by Omar Tolls. So what are you guys' staff's picks? While y'all are thinking, I just pulled up Goodreads, which is an app I could not live without because now I can see all the books I've read in the last five years, and just a quick browse shows me the book Don't Let's Go to the Dogs Tonight by Alexandra Fuller. And if you haven't read it, I can't recommend it highly enough. I loved that book. I oh. love the cover of that book. Yeah, I loved it so much. And no dogs get hurt? The author loves dogs so much, it's ridiculous. But the, but uh, there might be a hurt dog. I can't remember. 
Um, <laughs> so I would highly recommend that. And we just um, were lucky enough to have this author visit us in Auburn, Janice Ray, and her classic, Ecology of a Cracker Childhood, deserves to be read over and over. It was the first book I reread when I retired, uh, and it was so delightful to meet her. She came and she visited, and she also did a workshop, which some of us attended and got some good writing notes. There's two staff picks for me. I was going to say a very practical lady, too. Very, very practical as far as her writing ability. She wasn't ethereal at all, just down to earth. I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, the minute you say, what books have you read? I'm thinking anything by Kirsten Hanna. I just really enjoy her. Um, the last one I think I read was The Nightingale. Actually, right now I'm reading the short stories by um, Charles Rose. Who wrote that introduction? I think Please it tell was the Marian. listening audience. Was it? it was Marion Carcace, one of our... And John Williams, yes, but I'm enjoying reading um, his short stories only because I know I knew Charlie was a teacher of mine. He was a professor. Yes, well done, Marion, on the introduction. I just read Furious Hours mm-hmm. by Casey Sepp, and that was fantastic. And if you're from around here, or gives you the whole history of like Lake Martin, the history of uh, life insurance. It's about Horseshoe Bend and. All of it, so many details, but they're all so fascinating. She is a fantastic writer. Mm-hmm. And then I love anything by Margaret Atwood. She has just always been one of my favorite authors. Um, sometimes it's v- they're very dark, and sometimes they're really complex, but I always look forward Have to Have you read the writing. latest? What is it? What the is Testaments? It? No, I haven't. No, haven't. Mm. Oh, okay. I will have to read that. Okay. Okay. Do you have it? We do. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> have you read it? I'll buy it I today. I'll, I'll uh, buy it today. But you know, that's a story that carries on after The Handmaid's Tale. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were. Yeah. You know, asking about books that you'd recommend is like asking which child you'll recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, really hard. And as you pointed out, as you get, as you age, you have different books that you, that you love. But, you know, Pat Conroy, who is, of course, ours, he's, he's our southern voice. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading The Prince of Tides by accident because it came in a book of the month club and I hadn't ordered it. And the first introduction, the first few sentences, I was just there, just his descriptions. And it was as though I'd suddenly realized that there was um, somebody who understood the South in right. ways that I th- I'm sure Faulkner did and uh, you know many others. But it was like the first time I found that voice that, that resonated with me and that sense of feeling like that as crazy as we all are, mm-hmm. there's such beauty in that. So it's hard, hard. And it's my favorite book of his. The others are great, but that was the book that just... Right. But the authenticity of his voice and the true Southern Mm -hmm. representation of it. He was actually a wonderful supporter of ours at M. Judson. He came and did a big dinner for us before we opened. And so it was the year before he died. We had the opportunity to sit with him and Cassandra. And I mean, just as good a human as you could ever meet too and would just tell the biggest stories with the biggest laugh and there was um he did an event up at Furman and like the signing line was you know a quarter mile long but he was going to sit and talk yeah. to every single person and it just I couldn't think any more highly of him as an author but also just as a great person that generosity of spirit that's yes that's there very much so yeah I would have to mention Donna Tartt's A Secret History. Mm. I think that book is one that really drew me in and stayed with me forever after. And 
I'm a short story reader more than a novel reader in my later years, probably because I don't have a train of thought that will last <laughs> throughout a novel. <laughs> but I would certainly include the complete stories of Flannery O'Connor, the complete also stories of Also, you could die daughter. before you finish <laughs> the novel. <laughs> <laughs> Welty and, um, and O'Connor and some of William Faulkner's short stories. Of course, my favorite, the one I love, is Truman Capote. He's the stylist that I... Just Gail, it's interesting that you say that because the book that is um, beside my bed right now is a book of essays called How We Die. <laughs> so, and, you know, they're, they're short. <laughs> I always had a rule reading a book. If I got to page 100 and it hadn't grabbed me, forget the book. Life isn't long enough to read a book you don't love because there's so many out there you do. Yes. But now that I'm of a certain age, I've cut down to 75 pages. <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking about going to 50, Five. quite frankly. Five's quick. I mean, That's you got to... Right. Yeah. I spent 40 years teaching freshman composition and reading things <laughs> I didn't want to read. Yeah. I give them five pages. And if I haven't levitated by the fifth page of the style... You're out. Imagery, I'm... Moving on. Whew. Tough crowd. So I think, <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? But you know, I think that that just listening to the diversity of what we've all talked about mm-hmm. and and what you've got in this store, the diversity of voices and genres, how do you go about figuring out what to carry? That's a great question because they say like over 100,000 books a year are published, right? When I first started it, they said 50. And I, I don't know if it's people are just starting to exaggerate more and more, but there's a lot of books. And I think that's really the purpose of an independent bookstore, isn't it? To, to really find, to curate in a way to help you to figure out what's the you know, things that are really going to resonate with that audience. And I think it's very specific to place. You know, we have found that what we find is wanted in this community is different from, you know, Greenville, which is just up the road, right? So it's a process of getting good relationships with the publishers so that you know what's coming. It's having really good readers on staff who know what they love and what they recommend and that they're also really good listeners so that they talk to people and learn what other people love. Um, and then that develops into kind of the the breadth of what we offer. So I'm glad that you're talking about listening to people and having good readers. I was just reading the controversy around, I can't even remember the name of the book. American Dirt. There you go, American Dirt. And um, not so interested in the controversy of whether or not she's a good author, but the controversy of how the publishing companies decide what becomes the bestseller. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested to hear or to read that when Oprah does her book pick, all the other books stop selling for a little while. And so in a way, it's kind of harmful to the whole book industry for these huge endorsements to come out because of what it does to the other books. And that really made me sad, you know. Of the sort That's of a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about it that way. But if yeah. you look at what dominates the list, it is a lot of those picks. Right. But mm-hmm. before Oprah, there was Book of the Month Club. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always right. been something There's always been something. That. I was just interested. I had not thought about how, I mean, I I hear little bits just from having, knowing people who publish Mm -hmm. about how much control the publishers have over how, you know, whether or not they push the books. And we know that people buy up books to make the bestseller list by, you know, in the thousands or whatever it is, tens of thousands. Um, And so seeing those things manipulated is kind of heartbreaking. Well, and that's why the the mystics have always been shame, shameless self promoters. But that's right. Has everybody <laughs> bought our books? 
But um, found them it on was, Amazon. It, it was almost depressing to hear Janice Ray talk about how books got to the best-selling list, the New York Times best-selling list, mm-hmm. and it was certain bookstores that yeah, they that had a lot with of control and it, it had that control. And if you knew how to work the system, like everything else, you know, your book could get on the best-selling mm-hmm. list without. I won't say without being worthy. Obviously, any book that the mystics write would be worthy, but um, that some just get in there because they are, they know they know how to do I that. I will say in the defense of the New York Times, they have done an excellent job of really cracking down. So you're seeing a lot less um, that they, they no longer count like book sale, bulk book sales that aren't like, that are oh sold in the, the, 50s or hundreds, you know, that aren't to an individual. We're and and they check with every reporting. Both of our stores are reporting stores, and so they check with us to make sure that, um, you know, that the, what we're selling is actually to a person, not to an organization, or not to a publicist or someone else who might be buying them and then distributing them. So they're doing, I think, their best to try to control that. But you do really see the influence of things like uh, once that momentum gets started, and a lot of it is the ones that get on the Reese's picks or the Oprah picks or the Jenna Bush picks, those have so much um, media energy behind them. And then once that momentum gets going, I think y'all went to see Delia Owens, right? And so, um, you know, that book has been on the top 10 for and we're I mean, thrilled ever you know so but it's got so much inertia and momentum behind it it's hard to stop once it kind of gets going well I have to give a send up to the New York Times too because I was lucky enough to go to the Edinburgh Book Festival last summer and they brought just you know lots of authors that you could go and hear and they were signing their books and the New York Times really mm-hmm. sponsored it yeah. so it was really fantastic mm-hmm. I think they intend to do very good things. Um, and they're um, something that's about to be a big game changer in our industry is that a new um, way to purchase books is being introduced as sort of a counterbalance. It won't, they hope to take a little bit of Amazon. They won't take all of Amazon, but it is now a site, it's called bookshop.org, that's been developed that is to um, try to support independent bookstores it's being the model is to support independent bookstores it's not a for-profit kind of organization Um, but the New York Times was the first one to adopt bookshop over Amazon so anytime you see a book um, for sale they're going to push that over to the bookshop rather than Amazon which I think is a pretty exciting change yeah and I'd like to say like living in Auburn when when I want a book now you know if I don't go to the library and see if it's there Mm -hmm. I'll come in here and order it and let you, you guys, for that. you yeah. guys get it for it me makes instead a of just going to Amazon yeah. because you know it's so easy to go to Amazon. But it is, you know, and I have to say I am a Prime member, but mm-hmm. I'd rather buy the books from you. Well, we so. appreciate that. I mean, because it does, it really does make a difference to local communities. But we also have to be able to compete on convenience, you know, and and making it easy to do, which I think is exciting about the bookshop model because it is saying we understand there is a need for that convenience in this. Uh, world that we live in, how do we do that and still support our local communities? I think it's very hard to run a business off of one product, Mm -hmm. like a book. And I noticed that you have some beautiful things in here, in particular that wrapping paper over Mm -hmm. over there. But what else do you offer in here besides books? The diversity is critical to the model, right, to be able to do this. We actually have more books in the Auburn store than we have in the Greenville store. In Greenville, the mix is a little bit closer, um, but this community has a strong demand for books, which I think is awesome. But in addition to books, we do do really unique gifts. They are as well curated as our 
books are. You know, we spend a lot of time finding regional providers, especially. So like if you see like our dish towels or our body lotions, those are out of Charleston. And you know, we're constantly looking for ways that we can source down to our coffee beans. You know, we use Mama Mocha does the roasting of our beans. And so we try to find just kind of great things that are as regional as they can be that complement um, the book offering in the same sort of, you know, uh, intentional and curated way. Oh, well, that's obvious. It's intentional because it's gorgeous. Speaking of Mama Mocha's, that's the other place we did off-site, uh, out of studio. Yeah. And um, it was our very, very interesting first <laughs> look at <laughs> being, our away, remote. Yeah. being yeah. away from <laughs> the studio. Um, it's a little bit rowdier there, too, than <laughs> here, I think. Yeah. In a great way. Yeah. Well, also, I, the thing that, that struck me was there were a lot of co young college students. Mm -hmm. And so Mary, who's our youngest, and that's kind of sad that she's our youngest. <laughs> because I'm 55. <laughs> how, how old are you, Mary? 55. Okay, so this I like the way you say that. This 55-year-old woman goes around to all these students and says we're about to do a podcast on the paranormal. <laughs> And uh, anybody who wants to join in, join in. Well, they looked like deers in the headlights. <laughs> and furthermore, and they're thinking, what are those old ladies doing? I mean, <laughs> podcasts are not for the elderly. And so when they would go get their coffee, I promise you, they would make such a wide arc around <laughs> our table as if we could actually <laughs> zap them with elderliness. It was <laughs> it's contagious, after all. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'm, I promise you they will catch it, <laughs> if they're lucky. So so we, we feel like we're in a friendlier climate here, although I will say Mama Mocha is a very friendly person, a dear person, but we needed She's her there. She's fantastic. We needed her there to help us with the, the language gap, <laughs> and uh, so it was amusing to see how we were received. <laughs> So I, I'm just waving at a friend across your bookstore. Mm. This is a community. It and is. So the importance of this to community, to building community mm -hmm. and sustaining it, and even the writers that you bring in. So talk to us a little bit about how you build community in a bookstore and why it's important. Uh, I feel like that's the word I say the most. Like I don't want it to lose its power, but I feel like that's the most important thing that we do and that we nurture the writing community, that we nurture the reading community, and that this community is amazing in the the way that it has opened its arms to us and not just the customer base but also the other businesses I mean it's just a really great town it, like what do y'all love about Auburn well despite the high rises everywhere it is still a small town and like I said you cannot I know those that grew up here don't think so but Spartanburg <laughs> was a much bigger town than this one I like I said my world is about as big as marble and especially in Auburn. I see people that I know all the time. Um, you just, you, you have that. And again, we're going to use that word, community. community. You know, we mm -hmm. know people. You're not just um, another person walking down the street. Somebody's going to say, hey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even though I'm, I'm from Atlanta and all my family was from Atlanta, we all went to Auburn. And uh, my grandfather went to Auburn. My dad, I went to Auburn. Mm -hmm. my, my brother, all my children went to Auburn. Wow. So we're, you know, we're Auburn people. And a lot of people from Atlanta go to Auburn. And my husband's from Nashville, Tennessee. And a lot of people from Nashville go to Auburn mm -hmm. as well. So it really is home for us. So I'm, I love Auburn. Not all of us grew up here, but I grew up here. And my, so my dad still lives here and has a place out on Wire Road past the vet school. Sure. And da, 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 da. So 
for us, this really is home, but it really is always amazing to me how people come here and find home mm-hmm. from far-flung places, including across the ocean. And, you know, it's just like a friend of mine used to call it Lotus Land because once you get here, you're sort of sucked into the... That's a perfect description of it. (laughs) And I kind of feel that way. (laughs) Like, six months ago, I would have been like, yeah, sure, whatever. But, like, now I love it. And everybody keeps saying, so you're moving to Auburn? I'm like, well, yeah, I might be. I love it here. And it is. It's the welcoming way that it feels and I've been talking to a lot of our booksellers one-on-one this week sort of seeing where we are after our four months and what do we need to do better and that kind of thing and everybody just keeps saying like they love the spirit of this community they love each other they love the fact that we now have all these regulars who come in sometimes more than once a day you know wow. <laughs> like it's just it's got a real this town has such a personal feel to it you know I think that's a really cool um, place to have a business. Mm-hmm. Well, my son is a fourth-generation Auburn graduate, and actually he's fifth, but the first one, I think, was at the Methodist College, so can I count it? I don't know. Sure. But sure. <laughs> can I count it? Mm-hmm. And I was born in the Auburn Infirmary and lived to tell it. <laughs> and this was after the war. and um, Which war? Which war, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Great War. First, the First World War. The First World War. No. 1812. No. And um, because everyone was poor. The babies in the infirmary were put in the chester drawers, and I think they closed the door on mine, you know, <laughs> every day. All the Auburnites, and believe me, if you weren't born in Auburn, you're not an Auburnite. But uh, I have a person in my class that was talking about being from Auburn, and we all said, you came here in fourth grade. You're not from Auburn. <laughs> and, you so know, there is some of that. I first landed in Opelika when we came down this way, um, but there is still an acceptance. There's still a, a people bring you in even though you may mm-hmm. not be a native um well yeah, yeah we tolerate you yes, yes you do very well <laughs> thank you very much one of the things june i again my add moment i'm looking around and there are little notes in front of a lot of books mm-hmm. what are those? there are those are review cards cool. and that's kind of what we do like that's what i think we're best at is everybody here where we got a lot of readers but telling people what we love about the books you know is um uh, it helps people to find their next favorite book you know and those who have not been in here yet need to come and see this because they are handwritten notes little love notes <laughs> they are little love notes to the about books about mm-hmm. the books that's a great idea that's wonderful because how much I'm not, Gail may sit here and read the first mm-hmm. 50 pages, but, you know, I'm not going to do that. So that's <laughs> 75. Great. She's still at 75. <laughs> 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 that's wonderful. We need one employee who can put a, does the dog die? Yeah, that's like pretty yes. important to my husband, that's too. Like, very important. Have you read The Dog Stars? I don't read anything with dog, dog in it. The, but until somebody has told mm-hmm. me that yeah. it'll be okay. Mike Armour feels the same way. Yeah, uh, Joseph Heller, it's a great, one of my favorite books ever. But he was like, I, it, does the dog die? See, I can't <laughs> read any more of Donna Tartt's books because they're animal problems and everything after mm-hmm. The Secret History. I had no problem with the murder in The Secret History. <laughs> so people dying is fine. fine. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, just don't hurt child, the dog. The child dies, that's all right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Just not the dog, please. Please not the dog. Uh-huh. I hear you. I was listening to you say, you know, jo- uh, Joanne said maybe she could just read the note cards and Gail would read some. But last night I was browsing on my phone and ran into something that said things that bookstore owners hate when you do it in bookstores. And one of them was read the whole book. I was like, man, who would do that? I don't hate that. But one of them was um, something called showrooming. And mm. said, oh, people know when you're showrooming because you're walking around 
taken pictures of the books to order them later on Amazon. And then I felt really bad, so I'm going to have to get a little card that that says I'm not showrooming. <laughs> I'm taking books of pictures. Wait, swap that. Uh-huh. Pictures, pictures of, of books. books. All the time, just to remind me to put them on my list of books to read or come back when I have more money. I do that right. Too. I think the last time I was in here, I probably spent about eighty dollars. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I had to take a lot of pictures. So y'all forgive those of us that showroom. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. People feel differently about it. I feel like I care that people read. I care that you come <laughs> in, you know, that you're part of a community where you choose to buy your books. I'd love for you to buy them here. It makes a difference for your community if you buy them here. But if that's not what you do, I'm not going to judge, you know. I mean, I'd much rather buy them here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing I read that um, bookstore owners don't like when you do is steal books. Which <laughs> now that is true. That is true. <laughs> which led me to Google what is the most <laughs> stolen book, and it <gasps> what did it what was it the Holy Bible, honey? Oh, <laughs> In the sixties, the most stolen book was "Please Steal This Book" by Abby Hoffman, <clears throat> and bookstores literally quit carrying, <laughs> carrying it, it because it was called please steal this book by abby hoffman not that i would know because i was not a hippie like some people here oh. that's number two on the most <laughs> stolen book and then another but the harry potter books are stolen a lot really yeah and yeah that's sort of surprising because they're kind of big and hefty <laughs> <laughs> they'd be hard to hide <laughs> maybe they think they have a cloak of invisibility <laughs> but i was very tickled what somebody explained that said well maybe <clears> since <throat> the people just leave bibles lying all around that <laughs> People think they're just free for the take. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Aren't those Gideon Bibles free? <laughs> yes, they are. I always take them. <laughs> yes, I've noticed your extensive Gideon Bible collection. <laughs> Did you know that Salvation Army can't sell Bibles? Why? Why not? They will not sell the Word of God. That's very Christian of them. I thought so, too. I hardly know what to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) For once, there's a moment of speechlessness. I noticed noticed that every mystic paused at (laughs) that. (laughs) I I don't think, (laughs) I think if we went all the way back to Jesus in the temple, throwing the money changers out, he probably wouldn't want to see people churning big profits on it, right? I mean, come on, Joanne, you're our religious expert. In fact, we just read about Jesus uh, up, up changing the, the money changers. Um, yeah, you know, I think if, if you really, really, really want a Bible, I'll buy you one, hey? <laughs> so it does seem like, June, that there has been a resurgence of interest in independent bookstores. That there was such a tough time when big box stores took over, but they seem to be coming back. Do you I feel think that that's way? Or so. Oh, yeah, that does seem to be the case. I mean, you saw sort of that huge spike when um, you had the Books of Millions and the Barnes and Nobles and everybody kind of... But that was um, not just books, right? You were seeing huge big box stores taking over communities for all different industries. Groceries. For groceries, yes. for like the Best Buys and that kind of thing. And then... Um, and then also in our industry, you had e-books. You know, people were, the Kindles were really, really popular there for a short while in the Nooks. Um, but I think what you're seeing is a return to community. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of the turn back toward the local and the appreciation for what the local businesses bring. So it's, I don't think it's just books. Um, but you are definitely, I mean, the independent bookstore industry has really done, you know, Knockwood really well for the past few years. And it, I, I hope that's not going to slow down. But I think it is part of a bigger um, conversation. It's funny that <coughs> you should mention Kindle because I found my Kindle. Jimmy, my husband, got me a Kindle many years ago in hopes that I would not buy one more book because I always have bookshelves and bookshelves mm-hmm. and bookshelves of books. And 
I become very attached to them. I just like children. I just want them around me. And I found my Kindle. I haven't used it in probably 10 years. Right? Because I've been reading books, uh, real books. Real and books. pages. And it turns out, I mean, people come in and talk about that all the time. Like, they like the weight of a book and the smell of a book yeah. and knowing how far along you are in the book, you know, yes, which is harder exactly. to do in a Kindle. Well, when we were talking, oh, oh yeah, or dog ear the pages. When we were talking about the resurgence of, of bookstores, I noticed that whenever I list where I want to see in a town, mm-hmm. I always have a bookstore there. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about what it's is your my mystical f- ability. Yes, mm-hmm. right. I just knew it would be there. But the uh, my favorite bookstore to visit when I'm not in Auburn. It's called The Last Bookstore in Los Angeles, and it's in downtown Los Angeles, and they have the wonderful opportunity to have a huge space. Don't they have a lot of book art? They do. Yeah, I've seen some fantastic pictures out of there. Yeah, and the second floor is all picture op. The first time I went there, I didn't buy a book because I was so overwhelmed I did not know what to do. So in a way, you know, they're they're killing their their (laughs) first-timers buying books. But on the second floor, um, they have taken, and now there are, and I know nobody's going to agree with this, but truthfully, totally useless books that nobody's going to read anymore. There are things like... You can always use them as a doorstop. Well, that's what they've done. (laughs) They have (laughs) built things out of them, and I noticed your uh, cash register... Book wall. Book wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the great wall of, of... Books. (laughs) Books. <laughs> but they have used theirs for making arches that you can walk through and portholes. My top favorite is this bookcase that seems to be falling apart and all the books are flying off the shelf. And um, they're hung by, I guess, that monofilament. Mm-hmm. So you can't really see. So it looks like this bookshelf is just really totally exploding. So you can walk through the second floor and take about a million pictures. So I started looking through the notes of where I travel, and I actually have a list of book of bookstores I want to, a bucket list of bookstores, <coughs> and I was going to mention them to you. This is sad. Two months ago, or three months ago, I went to Portland, but by the time I got there, I was so tired, I just went to the bar across the street from the Airbnb, <laughs> and I never <laughs> made it to Powell's Bookstore, which is a really famous bookstore. Mm-hmm. That's on my bucket list. Another one is Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Faulkner House Books in New Orleans. I can't believe I've been there. I lived in New Orleans. And, of course, if I get back to Paris, I'm going to the Shakespeare and Company. All good choices. (laughs) Have you been to all of those? No. (laughs) Yeah, and New Orleans, that was one of my favorite bookstores. It was... And I, ca- I don't know what the name of it is, but I can remember Jimmy and I walking the streets of New Orleans and seeing a bookstore and ducking in. And it reminded me of the bookstore in The NeverEnding Story. Well, it's Faulkner House. It w- maybe it was Faulkner yeah, House. Yeah, it's an it's old place. It's where he used to live, actually. Really? This, it, this On was Pirate's just, and, Alley. And it could have been because I felt the vibes. I mean, it was just, I never wanted to leave that place. It was great. <laughs> great. There, there was a, um, it's... It still exists, but it's not the same. There was a great writing conference called Words and Music. And so the couple, Rosemary and Joe, who owned, most recent owners of Faulkner House, um, did this amazing, amazing writers conference. And it would be people that, you know, big names would come in as well as just up and coming writers. But that bookstore, they would have the reception for the authors there. And you could sneak in sometimes. And they, they lived above it. 
And so it all smelled like old books mm-hmm. in New Orleans, you know, yeah. it was just Atmosphere, amazing. Yeah. So that it just recently changed hands, but it's going to keep going. So that's wonderful. The smell. I, w- I was asking my family who was with me last night about their favorite bookstores. And my daughter, Anna, had just been to L.A. and been to the last bookstore. And so I was listening to her talk about it as you were, Gail. And then I did a little reading and I found this fabulous quote or the, the hope was to try to convert Instagram visitors into book purchases purchasers so the whole visual appeal of it is mm-hmm. uh, that is so funny because I wrote down the same quote oh good <laughs> <laughs> and also that they did not organize their fiction section because they want you to look and you know go through and pick around and search and discover so that could drive some people quite mad I thought it was an interesting ploy well, I, I've been to Shakespeare and Company in Paris, and it's fantastic. It's always packed, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really packed, and it's right across from Notre Dame. So, you know, it's in a great area of Paris to, to see. And also Powell books, Powell's books are in uh, Oregon. Have you been there? Yeah. Because it's daughter, a whole square, oh, it's yeah. a whole block, right? right? Yeah, my daughter used to live in Portland, so yeah. I've been there many times, and you can't take it in in a day. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, uh, I went in a great bookstore in uh, Park City, Utah. My husband and I were at Sundance a year ago, yeah. and it was great. I mean, it, really wonderful books. A lot of local things about theater or about movies, mm-hmm. but then, you know, it had an incredible gift section, too. I can't remember the name of it, though, but it was really fantastic. <laughs> have to look into that one. Well, I mean, there's yeah. Park City isn't that big, uh-uh. so you could find it, you know. Yeah. I'm oh. wondering about a mystic moment right now. Ding, 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 ding. Does anybody have one? Or I do. I was reading a book today. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really relating to this character. I know. Oh, <laughs> I was really relating to this character. And one of the character's um, tra- traits was that she writes everything down. She's constantly, like at the end of every day, she writes down who she talked to and, you know, all the way down to what they wore. And I kind of do that too. I'm obsessed. And um, and lo and behold, this character, come to find out, in one of her notebooks had some notes about Edisto Island. And anybody that knows me knows that's my soul place. And so it was quite a mystic moment to discover that she had been writing about Edisto Island in her notebook, just as I was feeling so deeply connected to this character. So there's my mystic moment. That's kind of like the never-ending story where you became part of the book. I guess so. (laughs) This is a really elderly woman, and she's, you know, in a assisted living and so I've got some ways to go before I become her it was quite mystical not that far <laughs> Humph, I'm the youngest I'm a wee 55 well my son was in Fairhope this past weekend and he sent me a phone photo he was at a Mardi Gras parade for dogs and the name of the parade was the mystic mutts <laughs> wow That's so quite I thought wonderful. I would pass that on <laughs> to y'all I like that so I know you're doing some programming, so to speak, and you're mm-hmm. having authors come in and readings and stuff. Tell us a little bit about that and, sure. and how that works And we're open to you. suggestions, you know, yeah. so y'all can help us come up with ideas. But um, so the first three months were really just dedicated to treading water, right? Like we were so focused on getting open before the home games because I was terrified of what was going to happen with the home games. And then we had the holidays all kind of like loaded up, right? So we didn't have a lot of time to think about the programming and what we were going to um, launch into. We were trying to not do too much too fast. So we've got a couple of great things, like we were talking about the Alabama Noir panel that is coming um, up here in another month or so. We're doing a lot more of the author 
events. And so we'll be building that program, but also we're going to do some specialty kinds of events that we've done in the other, in the Greenville store. Things like um, we have a great wine and book pairing event. We call it page pairings, where we match a book to a wine and it's a ticketed event and you come and you get to taste all the wines and then you leave with with whatever book you want. The mystics are in. Y'all are in, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like a mystic. It's hard to beat, really. (laughs) It is hard to beat. We love doing that. We have a great series called Lunch and Lit, um, where we do have a lunch and it's a ticketed event and you get a copy of the book and the author comes and talks. And so these are the kinds of things we really want to get more involved in. We're hosting a lot of events here like the Southern Humanities Review has come in the spring. And so, you know, there's just um, <laughs> more friends. Uh, we're looking to get much more involved in the community events side of things and bringing more authors into the space and more people to really appreciate that opportunity to be with an author. Well, I'm, again, intrigued in my ADD moment. So you also have blind dates. <laughs> we do. Did <laughs> <laughs> you explain that? <laughs> sure. That's actually, I mean, almost every bookstore in the country now is doing a blind date section. The origin story is that uh, that it started somewhere in Australia, I think. Um, what a fantastic idea to take a book that's kind of been underappreciated and talk about why it's a great book. I mean, everything in that section is a fantastic book that people just didn't pick up for they judged it by its cover or it just didn't have the like appeal. And so we take it and we put a few blurbs on there as to why we thought it was a great book and people love it. I mean, do I see a candle with Glenda the Good Witch? You do. Oh yeah. my word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's also like T Swift and, you know, Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz over there too, so. <laughs> I never knew that they had their own candles. These are are the type of candles usually with Jesus or Mary on them that my mother um, lights when we have tornadoes. But Mm -hmm. our own Marion has a lifetime supply of these candles. There was going to be a series of mystic candles, but it didn't come to pass. I have several of those. I just call them Catholic candles. But I also have a voodoo candle, a do not arrest candle that I light on special (laughs) occasions. Do you have the seven powers of Africa? No. Do you have St. John the Conqueror? No, I don't know. If, I don't think so. I, d- I have a lot of Marys. I have Billy Bob the Southerner. <laughs> I was wondering why you hadn't called me lately, Mary. <laughs> that candle is working. <laughs> I'm actually supposed to have three, but I'm getting by with one. What's next? I mean, aside from all the programming and stuff, is there anything else on the horizon? I think, you know... Uh, Now we're figuring out how to grow and grow in the community. That's where we're headed next, is we feel like we've gotten our feet under us. You know, we kind of know what we're doing now, and it's the chance to uh, do things like this. You know, the chance to meet more people in the community and learn, like, what y'all are doing and how we can work together to, you know, grow the literary community in Auburn. And what is it about books and coffee? Because you have some Y'all tell me. What is it? It is... There's something about books and coffee, books and tea that just go together, right? Well, we have great, I mean, it's Mama Mocha's beans. They're from, you know, fantastic coffee. But I was going to say, I think it's just the, the sensory overload because, like, when you went, when I went in, I guess it was Faulkner House, it was just the smell mm-hmm. of the books. I mean, that took me in immediately. And then just looking at all of them, and it was like books went on forever. And I think, yeah, you come in and you smell the coffee and you just want to sit down and start reading. It's just cozy. Yeah. yeah. And we are um, getting ready to add wine, which, I mean, books and Yay. wine go well together, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be happy to know that we all have our own wine glasses with our names on them, and they have lids. 
So <laughs> we won't mess up our it's book. It's important we've been known yeah. to spill some red wine. <laughs> why? On why some white cloths. I feel you. Oh, why do they have lids? Let's hear from Margie on that one. Okay, they're sippy cups, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is, is because I always spill something. <laughs> I you, My coffee's on the floor. Okay, I will spill it on the floor, <laughs> but I won't spill it on the table. So that's, I don't. That's only because someone won't allow you to put coffee on the table. Well, that's true. The queen, <laughs> she like hands me the sippy cup <laughs> and says to keep it away from the electronics. Yeah, so. she allows me to drink at all. One time when we had first our first, I think it was our first book we had published, and and Gail was out of town, and I'm not exactly sure how this all went, but some of us sneakier mystics were for some reason at a bar, and and we put copies of our brand new book up on the bar surrounded by beer and took pictures and said, ooh, Gail would be so mad if she <laughs> saw we this. We said we were going to send them to Gail and watch yeah. how quick it took her to get back home. But we, I don't think we ever had the nerve to send them to her. We had done a signing at a gift shop around the corner and then we walked up okay, to, the to the hound afterwards and uh-huh. we had all the books up oh. on the bar and we were going to see how long it took Gail to get back to Auburn. <laughs> The beer kind of almost spilled itself. It, really <laughs> it almost spilled itself. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Got off the bar. <laughs> I've always encouraged you girls to do drugs rather than liquids because it doesn't. If you spill it's a drug, up. if you spill a drug, it does not ruin the book. And Unless you're burning the drug. Yeah, we tend to give away the books we've spilled on, <laughs> or if we sign them incorrectly, like to Helen, and she goes, "No, my name is Ellen." But the next reading we go is there a Helen out there (laughs) we have a book for you (laughs) so I did see that there is a book by someone named Jen Campbell called weird things people say in bookstores yeah it's a great book and yeah yeah, the only one I jotted down was somebody asking for a kid's book uh Lionel Richie in the wardrobe That's awesome. <laughs> I was really tickled. We could by probably the write a book at this yeah, point. I was just going to say you yeah. should probably start collecting. So, mm-hmm. do you have that book here? Uh, we don't have it here. We've had what? it before. Oh, I know. Okay. We need to get that back in. Okay. Um, and we should start our own collection of things that we hear. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we get yeah. a lot of people who want to check the books out, which is always kind of odd to me. <laughs> check them out, mm-hmm. like like, like a, a library. library. Be glad to check them out for twenty five ninety nine, and you don't even have to bring it back. <laughs> so, speaking of that, if people wanted to check you out, mm-hmm. you can be found in downtown Auburn. But in how, downtown Auburn, how else can um, people? The usual ways in the interwebs. We're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. We have a, a great Instagram feed. It's Auburn Oil Booksellers. Um, same thing for Facebook, and uh, we've got a great website too, AuburnOilBooksellers.com. And they are right across the street from 1716, so... Yep, and right next to Taco Mama. And Taco Mama. And the donut mm-hmm. place. And the, oh, Isn't there a donut oh, place yeah. right next door? Mm-hmm. Or one way? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Universal donut. Love yep. here, so. And beautiful St. Dunstan's is across the street, However, too. the pastries here are pretty pretty darn wonderful. They're so you don't fantastic, have to go right? anywhere else. Not that yeah. I would know. What is your pastry? <laughs> um, the, in Greenville, we sublease to the um, Chocolate Moose Bakery. Ooh. And we've been trying to find something local. So, if, you know, if y'all have any recommendations, we'd love to hear them. But okay. um, we bring um, things down from the Chocolate Moose they make for us. I think we're about to run out of time here. So I guess we should mention... The Mystic Books. Does anybody know where we can find Mystic Books? In and the trunk I of Joanne's car. That's <laughs> if you're not local. And well, there's some local places. There will be. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
actually, this this is kind of sad, but it's kind of mystic. Um, the place where we have our book flooded. Oh, no. no. Well, of course, if you've been in Alabama for the last two weeks or three weeks, it's flooding everywhere. I actually removed our books because uh, we're going to have to give away several of the flooded books. We had to pour a little wine on it, <laughs> put a story yeah. behind it. But uh, we meant to do that. But when we're back in operation, you can find us at Heritage Gift and Gourmet and University Bookstore. What I want to say. I know another bookstore you might want to like yeah. let know when, yeah, since you've got your book yeah, <laughs> books around. We'd be happy to bring you as many yeah. as you can. <laughs> Yes, this is a perfect place for the mystic books. It's friendly. <laughs> but um, w- what I want to say besides that is we're available for your pool parties. That's right? true. Your bar mitzvahs, mm-hmm. your garden clubs. We'll speak to anyone. The dog shows, whatever. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah, we can I will, come speak. I will quit parties. trying to levitate the audience because obviously that doesn't work. And it was an unfortunate incident at the Rotary Club. Where else do we go? Well, we speak to any library that'll have us. We don't like to talk much, but you know we can be right. We can be right. convinced. But I don't. So. Know. Other than that, where can we be found yes. online? We have a typical social media presence. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. We do have a web page, but I can never remember the address. So if you just go to Facebook, we're the Mystic Order of East Alabama, and you can find our web page there, which has all the links to the books on Amazon and other links to our other social media And if we pages. can mention, we also have a podcast that you can find on your podcast station, Spotify or YouTube or did it load or up on YouTube Stitcher, yet? <laughs> yep, or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are The Mystics with an S pod and The Mystics podcast. And if we do say so ourselves, it's wonderful. <laughs> and if you don't like to use social media, you can email us at themysticspod at gmail.com. Well, this has been wonderful, Jean. Thank you for letting it's us been be so here. It's so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm Let delighted to meet you all. I appreciate you being here. And yeah. And remember, be the flame, not, not the, the moth. moth.